Welcome today to Hope for the Heart. Uh, This is uh, William Rogers speaking, and we'll be looking at the book of Revelation. We're continuing our verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation, and it is uh, proving to be quite the task, and I hope that you are following along. You can go back and look at the previous messages, but we're in chapter 6 today. Uh, Last week, we begun chapter 6, and we began looking at verses 1 and 2, and today I'm going to deal a few with a couple of more issues with 1 and 2, and then I'm going to try to move uh, somewhat into verses 3 and 4. So let me read this to give us a context today to what we'll be speaking on out of the book of Revelation. Again, it's Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. I'll read through verse 4. The Word of God reads in verse 1, And I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, Come. And I looked to behold a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Verse 3. And when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So last week we began by looking at what I entitled that the end times begins with peace. And uh, we went over verses 1 and 2 in somewhat of, of a fashion. We compared it to verse, uh, verses uh, really 3 through 8 or 10 uh, in the book of uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. And uh, this, it's important to have that because I think if you go back to Matthew, you'll find a bit of a sequence in verses 6 and 7 that describes really what's going on in the book of Revelation. I said last week, and I'll say it again, it's, it's almost the parallel perfect verse or passage for the book of Revelation chapter 6 is if you go to Matthew chapter 24. And so when you look at Matthew chapter 6 and 7, it describes wars, rumors of wars, nations against nations, kingdom against kingdom, uh, and you begin to see this and wonder what it is because it's not very clear when these things will be. And so you have to look at a lot of other scriptures. So I want to encourage you not to get hung up in the chronology of all of this, except to just be aware that these things are coming. Now, remember now, this is a scene in heaven, and we're going to see this that's taking place is is leaving heaven and headed towards earth. And so... Again, it's important to understand that all of these events are going to be described and the church, as it is now on earth, will have already left when this begins. In other words, when you begin Revelation chapter 6, the true church of believers worldwide, uh, those born-again believers, are in heaven at this point. And so they are around the throne and they are there we saw in chapter 5, worshiping as this is about to take place from heaven. And so we can see that uh, this this is a, a movement here that's uh, happening. Uh, there's action going on. The first horse is a white horse. He represents uh, peace. And so when we look at verses 1 and 2, it becomes interesting to note that as you read verses 1 and 2, and compared to what I said last week about this being a false peace, and it is a peace that has been... Uh, this it's coming to the earth, you, you don't see the word peace in verses 1 and 2. You find the, he breaks one of the seals, verse 2, a white horse, 
And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering to conquer. And so you, you, you have to ask the question, well, where does the peace come from? It doesn't say peace, so how do you know it's really a peace? Well, we said the identical passage for this is Matthew chapter 24. And Matthew chapter 24 does describe, uh, when, when you look at it, the very, the very first part of Matthew chapter 24 says, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Jesus' first response was, see to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and will mislead many. That is a deceptive peace that is going to be coming because it's going to appear to be coming from the Prince of Peace, but it is not coming from the Prince of Peace. As we saw last week, it is coming from the Antichrist who will head up all of the other false Christs, and it will be a false peace coming to earth. And so I want to answer the question, though, because it's not answered very clearly, I don't think, from even my own message where do I get the word peace, and how do I know the, the end times begins with peace? And perhaps I did not clarify that last week, but in order to do it, I think you need to go back to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Very important text. It's not one we're going to exegete at this point, but it describes some things that are going on, and again, this is another good passage to understand. It says in Daniel 9.26, after 62 weeks, these are the weeks of years. You remember as we studied Daniel, uh, we went through this. Uh, after 62 weeks are gone, the Messiah will be cut off. 62 weeks of seven years. God had prophesied back in verse 24, 70 weeks decreed for Israel, 70 weeks to bring in everlasting righteousness. It started, you remember, from a certain point. Uh, king Artaxerxes, uh, 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 the king named Artaxerxes, it went 70 times 7 or 490 years. So there's a, from that moment, Artaxerxes, for 483 years for the decree, the very day Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem. I don't have time to really exegete all this, but the first 69 weeks of years uh, were accomplished. Now, at least one week left, a period of seven years left that we find in verses Daniel, I mean in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. There are seven uh, weeks, and then the 62 weeks, that's 69 weeks. And he notes in verse 25, after the 70 and the 62 are completed, the Messiah is cut off, he's killed, the city is destroyed, the sanctuary is destroyed. You remember that happened a little later in 70 AD, and there's still a week that hasn't happened. In other words, there's still seven years. And then verse 27, and forgive me for rushing through this, and I am assuming that you know somewhat... Uh, the text of Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to exegete that at a later date, but just not today. So in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, he picks, I, pick, I pick it up there. He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Who is he? Who is the he in verse 27? And I want to tell you who it is. He is the prince who is to come of verse 26. The prince who is to come is the Antichrist. This is the one spoken of in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and this is the one that Daniel calls the little horn of Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. He's called the king of fierce countenance in Daniel chapter 8, verse 23. He's called the willful king, or the king who does whatever he wants in chapter 11, verse 36 of Daniel. 
And so, the Antichrist comes. Now watch this. He will make a firm covenant, it says in Daniel 9, 27, with the many for one week, that seven-year peace treaty. And in the middle of the week, he puts a stop to the sacrifice and grain offerings and commits the abomination of desolation, as it is called. Well, who is this? Well, this is the Antichrist. You've all heard about an Antichrist coming. In fact, it's amazing how much attention this Antichrist is getting during today's uh, conversations. The Antichrist, remember now, he's leading uh, this, this parade of peace people. Uh, a false Christ that are, will be coming, it says in Matthew t- chapter 24. Uh, he, we've gone over him in detail in somewhat Second Thessalonians, and we will do that again, just again, not at, at today's point. Following his career all the way through chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, the Antichrist will come. He will lead other false Christs and false messiahs to bring in this world peace. He's going to make a covenant with, with Israel. And you say, Israel, that's right. Israel is a key player in understanding prophecy. I have said that many times. When you're looking at the kingdom, when you're looking at any of this, Israel is a key player. certainly focuses on Israel since they are the nation in view. But it extends beyond Israel. I want you to understand that. It is a covenant that involves the protection of Israel from all those who would like to do them harm or destroy them. So, it is a kind of major peace pact. Who knows how many nations will be involved. We just don't know exactly. He makes a peace treaty. That's how the period of tribulation is going to begin, with peace, global peace. And the Antichrist specifically makes a peace treaty with Israel, a covenant to be their protector, to be their peacemaker, their deliverer, their Messiah, their Savior. But in the middle of that peace treaty, the middle of that, the time length of that, in the middle of that would make it three and a half years. That's how we know it's a seven-year period. It's called a week of years. In the middle of the week, he will put a stop to the, or he'll break that treaty. You know what's going to happen. The peace treaty with Israel is going to be so comprehensive and so complete that they're going to be back in their sacrificial system offering sacrifices to the Lord in their own temple. They're going to be making their sacrifices. They're going to be back offering grain offerings. They're going to have their temple, and in the middle of it, he's going to come and desolate the place. He's going to make it desolate, and he's going to try to destroy Israel and conquer the world. I think by the middle of the week, War will already have broken out. And I think we see that in Revelation chapter 6. I don't know how long this peace is going to last that is initiated by this peace treaty and by the Antichrist and by what happens in the first rider on the white horse that goes out in Revelation chapter 6. The wars and rumors of wars have already begun for sure. But for sure, it's not, not now, but then. But for sure, it's all going to break loose then as the Antichrist desecrates the Holy of Holies, sets himself up as God, as uh, we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we'll see that more when we get a little bit later on, a lot more when we get to Revelation chapter 13. To be worshipped by the whole world, and that leads the world into a massive warfare that ultimately ends up in Armageddon. But it all starts with peace, which is where I was going last week with the message. Peace is coming for the world, for Israel, prosperity, safety. 
And, and all of that is headed our way. This is the future. And so we looked at this in detail and broke down verses 1 and 2. And now I want to do verses 3 and 4 as we begin to look at this. The four seals depict horsemen. And of course, this is where the phrase, and I think Hollywood has even picked this up many times, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's where they get the term, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, this is not some kind of a football thing. It is definitely a picture of future judgment. Now, they move through the vision to show the opening four sequences in judgment. The imagery is just it's astounding to read and to imagine what John is seeing here as he sees this in real time in heaven. The imagery is potent. The imagery is shocking. It's overwhelming. And frankly, it's frightening. These are unforgettable scenes that are, are pulled across our, our minds as we start to uh, deal with what John is seeing. Uh, and, and through the action of the lamb, the lion that is there, and restores the universe, takes it back, transferring from Satan to Christ. And so this is a, an amazing scene, uh, one that is, uh, will probably be, uh, well, it's, it's impossible to believe unless you're a true believer and you have the faith to believe. Now, contrary to what some people have thought looking at prophecy, the first of these horsemen brings a time of peace and prosperity. We saw this last week. But the following three horsemen, there's four horsemen here. We had one last week, which is peace. The next three, including this week, which is red. The first uh, was peace, but these are deadly forces. Just to remind you, these four horsemen are what Jesus calls, and this is why I mention it to you in, in Matthew chapter 24. These are what Matthew chapter 24 calls the beginning of the birth pains. I think sometimes uh, we, we take verses of Scripture like Matthew chapter 24 and then we take a Revelation chapter 6, and we can't seem to make them fit because we just don't understand them. Revelation doesn't talk about the terminology of birth pains, and Matthew doesn't talk about the four horsemen. So you, you find a complication there, but really it's the same thing, just different language, different imagery. So Matthew chapter 24 is the beginning of birth pains. In the anticipation of a birth, there are birth pains. I mean, that's common sense. Those birth pains come, and we're looking at them in these four horsemen. They come somewhat infrequent, and they get more frequent and more frequent and more frequent until the final birth takes place. The same is true of the events related to end times. That's the way they're being phrased out of Jesus' own mouth in Matthew chapter 24. There is coming a final event. The coming of Christ to establish his kingdom. Remember, there is a centrality of teaching about the kingdom coming that is so obvious, obvious throughout the scriptures. And the whole event of the second coming is based on the fact that he is coming to establish his kingdom. Well, this coming and establishing a kingdom is the birth that Jesus is referring to when he says birth pains leads to something. Birth pains lead to a birth. They anticipate the coming birth. And the birth that it has in mind there is <clears throat> Jesus coming to establish his kingdom. That is the birth in mind. The birth pains are those events that are preliminary to that. And they begin to go more rapidly and more rapidly and more rapidly as they get to the final event. This is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is very vivid analogy. 
there will be pain, then more pain, and then more pain, and more pain, and faster and faster until the final ultimate pain of Christ's sudden return and the destroying of the wicked on the face of the earth. And so you think, wow, this is actually pretty incredible. And the terminology may be a little bit different in Matthew 24 than what it is in Revelation chapter 6, but they're speaking of the same thing. The beginning of the birth pains used in Matthew 24, 8, that phrase then describes the first half of the final period, and that is parallel to the first four horsemen that John sees in his vision. The fifth seal is severe and widespread persecution, and that's what Daniel talks about in in his Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, when it says that he will make a covenant and he will break it in the middle. Underneath the altar, it says in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9, underneath the altar are the souls of those who have been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they have maintained. <clears throat> Obviously, by the midpoint of the seven-year period of the tribulation period, in other words, halfway through the tribulation period, people will have been saved. People will have been converted in the first three and a half years. Remember now, the church is gone before the period started in the rapture. But in the first half, there will be people redeemed and they will be slaughtered. They will be crying out in verse 10. Remember, the verse 9 and 10 of Revelation 6 is we're seeing those people who have been persecuted and slaughtered on earth are now in heaven. They're in heaven and they're crying out with a voice, saying to the Lord, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? All these indicate, and these indicate also in verse 11, that they have been glorified, they have the white robes, they're in their rest, and the number and their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they have been, should be completed also. So more are about to be slaughtered. So the midpoint, the fifth seal, that uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 talks about, is really the persecution that is really heated up and flaming red because of the Antichrist in his abomination of desolation halfway through the tribulation point. It also has a very unique event within the persecution called this abomination of desolation. is, And it's spoken of in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. This is when the Antichrist, literally, and I, I want you to hear this, and I know I've already basically alluded to it and said it once. The Antichrist will set himself up in the temple as he's persecuting the Jews, and he will declare himself as God and demand worship. Well, that is going to cause quite the stir. And that, in the second half, this is what Jesus calls the Great Tribulation. It begins with that abomination of desolation. That was the name of the second half. The first half of the Tribulation is called the beginning of the birth pains. The second half is called the Great Tribulation. And in that second half, the persecution continues, and it really heats up. Then comes that sixth seal, which we're going to look at a little later in chapter 6, that begins in verse 12. We're going to explain how that fits in. And it is an, an, actually an, a very an amazing thing here. 
<clears throat> but the point of this one is that this abomination affected by the Antichrist in Jerusalem, according to Daniel 9.27, is the midpoint of the seven-year period. Daniel says it happens in the very middle of the week, and that's the switch that throws humanity into great tribulation. The final three and a half years, or 42 months as it's called, or 1260 days, all those phrases are used, before the coming of Christ, the final two seals, the final trumpets, and the final bowls of judgments. So, events described in the scroll when they're unrolled and encompass the full seven years of God's wrath, and the last part of it we'll call the day of the Lord, the final fury when God himself comes in the form of Christ uh, through Jesus Christ and enacts his own judgment. But in the final day of the Lord is preceded by divine judgments that we'll see unfold in these seals. Now, as the seals open, the sequence, uh, as we, we've already talked about, verses 1 and 2, <coughs> is peace. And then verse 2, the, the, the white horse comes, and the man sitting upon it has a bow, and is given to him, and he comes to, uh, conquering and to conquer. And we noted last time in great detail, it symbolizes a deceptive, short-lived peace. And you say, well, how do you see that? Well, the rider and the horse is not particular individual, but it's a force, and that force is peace. It'll feature many false believers that Matthew talks about, many false messiahs led by the Antichrist. The false Christ and that supreme uh, human being, as the world will call him, is going to be orchestrated by false Christ, false messiahs, as Jesus said in Matthew 24. And they will continue through the whole period. It's not something that just is the beginning of the birth pains, but I believe these false Christs and this false Messiahs will go all the way through the tribulation period. But initially they come and they offer world peace. The Antichrist is certainly a key player. <clears throat> Prosperity sets in around the world. White horse depicts that. The fact that he is in, in, <clears throat> is in white indicates majestic conquering. It indicates even purity and righteousness. A false purity, I mind you, and a false righteousness. But you'll notice he has a bow, no arrows, that we mentioned last week. Uh, and he has a certain amount of authority, but he conquers without even shooting an arrow. Uh, conquering without bloodshed. Now notice that and we said last week, a crown was given to him. In other words, he didn't take it. It was given to him, which means world uh, uh, crowns uh, peace. The world crowns him peace like they would a king. And so he's given this, and all over the world, peace becomes the issue and you're told that it certainly will be the mood of the day. It is today. World peace is talked about even today. Uh, world peace, global peace, is, is really sought today by many world leaders are acknowledging that a peace is coming. And the peace will be conquering and to come and to conquer a series of triumphs leading to the golden age of prosperity, I think, will be looked at upon the earth. But again, all this is deceptive false peace. As we saw in Matthew 24, don't let the people deceive you with this. It's a deceptive peace that won't last long. The prophets have always said there is no peace for the wicked. False teachers say peace, peace, when there is no peace. But I want you to notice something else here. And as we get into this next uh, section, a little bit more, verses 3 and 4, he broke the second seal and I heard the second living creature saying, come. Very parallel with the very with verse one, with verse one, and verse four, another a red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth. 
Well, another reason we know that the first horse is peace is because the second horse, the horseman, is told to take peace from the earth. And so we see peace is given with the first horse, and the second horse is taking the peace from the earth. So we don't know the exact timetable, but it's going to be very long because the first half you'll have... Uh, all these other riders occur. So if it's only for three and a half years, you can know that world peace isn't going to last very long. I think the fact that this happens like this, uh, notice there's no time given here, but from the time the first rider starts and the, and the Daniel 9 comes into play and Matthew 24 comes into play, I don't know how long a period of time we're going to see these things. But it's, it's interesting to note that when he broke the second seal, the second living creature and a red horse went out from him who sat on it was granted to take peace from the earth. And that, by the way, is the reason we know, because the first rider gave peace, the second one takes it. And that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. In a word, the second rider is not peace. The second rider is war, war, worldwide war. Now, that shouldn't surprise us, because Matthew 24, Jesus said, following the deceptiveness of peace, Chapter 24, verses 4 and 5. He immediately says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So I don't think the peace, even though it is going to come, and I think it's going to be short-lived, he immediately says you will hear of this. And then in verse 7 he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That is the same description as Revelation chapter 6, verse 4. That's what he's talking about. There's going to be in the next flow of the sequence of persecutions to the final day of the Lord. The story is going to get very ugly. The persecutions are going to get ugly. But here it gets ugly because, I want you to notice, in verse 3, he broke the second seal. Notice when it says he broke, that's a reference to capital H, indicates that it's uh, talking about the Lamb, the tribe of Judah, the rightful heir, he breaks the second seal, unrolls another section of the scroll, which describes the events that are going on in this second phase of God's unfolding judgment. And then it says, I immediately, uh, and immediately the second living creature says, come, and when you unroll the scroll, whatever is written is acted out because it is a, it's a drama. The second living creature says, come, and we know from the first one that it is another cherub who says, come, and again, the exact scenario, the angels, uh, the angel around God's throne described for us in chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. One of them summons the next rider as the sovereign Lord breaks the seal and judgment unfolds. Immediate response by the rider in verse 4, another red, another horse, a red goes out. Now, uh, I don't, I don't want to really take any time with this, but it's, if you were to go back and trace horses through the Bible, you would find some very interesting things. But this force that is coming, you'll notice it's red as opposed to white. Red uh, would be a picture of fire. Red would be the picture of blood. It speaks to the widespread dangers of this war and the, 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 the result of this war in the most frightening and devastating form. We know it's war because it says he takes peace from the earth. Men will slay one another with the great sword was given to him. We also know it's war because it parallels what Jesus said about wars in Matthew 24. So God sends as a judgment a short-lived peace and a false peace and immediate war. You'll notice it says a red horse went out in verse uh, 3. But in looking at verse 4, it says, uh, verse 4 says a red horse went out. 
And then it says, to him who sat on it, it was granted. Now, by whom? Who granted this horse, this kind of power? Remember this, because it's a very important point. All of these things that are happening are happening at the command of God. Now, the world is going to see that it is pretty much out of control. It's going to seem like everything has just gone crazy. There's no peace. There's no, everybody's talking about fighting. In fact, look at what it says in verse 4. That men should slay one another with a great sword was given to him. I mean, they're going to be, every, it's going to be, the picture there is person to person warfare. And it is, it is happening because it is the command of God. When it says it was granted to him, God granted him. Some people will try to tell you this is not the wrath of God, that God is a loving God, it's not the wrath of God, but this is the wrath of God. It is the wrath of God. It comes from the throne. When this little scroll or the book is in the hand of God and is executed by the Lord Jesus Christ, it is God's unfolding wrath. It is God who has granted this red horse the authority and the power to move and to bring war. It was God who allowed the false beast. It is God who starts the wars. God allows it. Now, I know that's hard to understand, and I know that's hard to take, but that's exactly what it says. So I'm going to end it with this point because it's, uh, I, there's still some more I want to talk about in verse 4 before we get into verse 5, but there is just so much here, and I hope that you will stay tuned with this and follow along with this. And if you have any insights that I'm not covering, send them to me. Let me know. Let me, let me know what your opinion is on this. I love doing this, and it is a very rich study. I hope you'll stay with it and learn as much as you can, because I think the days are very, very close. I think the stage is being set. I think the world stage is being set. I think uh, all is coming into to, to, uh, the rightful place, and I think it's, it would be shocking if we knew just how really close we could be. So, with that in mind, let me encourage you to stay with the study, continue to read God's Word, do not ever take it for granted, and I thank you for listening to Hope for the Heart.